This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, my opening shift is it's, it's a question to you, Bridget and Scott and to the fans out there. And, and it's a question to myself too. And I'll, I'll work through my answer along throughout this podcast, but this Bruins team is, they have a lot of positive qualities, a lot of things going for them. They have fantastic coaching. They have fantastic star power. Um, they have, it, it, they, they do have good scoring depth. If you look up and down their roster and you look at where they are in the league. Sometimes it looks like they don't, but they do. And so I can't take that away from them. And in general, they have good structure and great goaltending, and they're a good hockey team. I, I, what I want to know going forward is, is this team tough enough? And I don't mean fighting. I, I, I certainly don't mean fighting. What I mean is, and, and I'm not harping on the Calgary game or the, or the, uh, the Washington game necessarily. I, those games just remind me of the type of hockey that the Bruins struggle with in in the spring in recent years. And the teams that beat the Bruins are teams that kind of outwork them. And uh, and so heading into the spring this year, I, I'm just curious, is this Bruins team tough enough? And what do I mean by tough enough? I mean, can they win um, you know, physical battles up and down the ice? Can they win those races to lose pucks? Uh, the majority of the time, not every time, the majority of the time, can they back check and forecheck and pressure up and all over the ice with, with the tenacity that's needed uh, to win a championship? Do they have that personnel right now within, or do they need to add a couple of pieces externally? So I just want to pose that question to you guys and the listeners. Is this Bruins team tough enough in the intangible areas when, when, when the going gets tough? I think they can be. I will also say I don't think this is a I don't think this is something you can really learn about a team in the regular season. Like it's it's easy to ask this right now when they've had two stinkers in a week, but I don't think I don't think you learn that in these games. Like the whole team was off Saturday, the whole team was off Tuesday. Teams have these kind of games, you know, like we would all say if you asked, you know, Who's the most phys or who is the most like physically effective team? We would probably say the Florida Panthers because we saw it firsthand in the spring. They still play that same way. I've seen games from them this year where they just haven't shown up. Like it, it happens. Um, I think the Bruins do some things physically pretty well and better than last year. Like I think they have been for the most part, not every night, but for the most part, a better forechecking team. I think they've 
gotten to the front of the net more in the offensive zone and scored, um, you know, greasier goals. Jim Montgomery before, I think this was before the break or maybe right after, um, highlighted that, like, he liked that they've basically completely, based on their internal statistics, have completely inverted in terms of percentage of goals that were off the rush versus in zone last year to this year. And it's, it's now a lot more in zone, fewer off the rush. And that's a more like playoff style hockey. That's how you score in the playoffs. So that requires physicality, you know, the score goals in the zone at the front of the net is a more physical game than being a team that scores off the rush. Um, I agree with Montgomery when he also highlighted that defending the front of their own net is still an area they have to improve. So in that sense, maybe they haven't been physical enough. Um, but I think there's, there's things there that make me think they can be. They're just not always doing it consistently. So that's where, okay, is that a matter of they're not capable of doing it consistently or maybe motivation just goes in and out of the course of the season and you just don't bring it every night and maybe they would bring it every night in the playoffs. Like we're, we're, we're not going to know that answer right now. You you can go outside and you can add physical help at the trade deadline if you think you need it. But the reality is, is like, you don't really know the answer to those questions until the playoffs. Yeah. It's a, it's a hypothetical question, obviously, um, especially since we don't know ne- necessarily the, the final personnel heading into the playoffs. Cause they're, I mean, I'd be really shocked if they didn't add someone and I would be shocked as well if that was a person that was purely skill and couldn't bring anything on the physicality side of things. Like, I feel like the ideal way to handle the deadline would be to either add one player that's physical or a player that can do like do both for you, can be physical, can be skilled, whatever. I We don't know the final personnel, but I will say even though it is a hypothetical question, there's reason to be concerned about it for sure. When, if you watch the Washington game or if you watch the Calgary game or even just throughout the season, like that's recency bias, but um, throughout the year, you, you watch times where guys get bumped off the puck and where there's seemingly um, no emotional response to a big hit that one of your teammates takes, or like, sometimes I just don't know if, they have the right people to respond to certain situations, like to respond to a Kachuk doing something dirty or just getting under people's skin. Like, can there be someone that does the same thing to the opposition? We don't see it consistently. So I I understand the question because you'd be lying if you, if you were a fan watching this team and said, it wasn't a concern for you at all that they were going to be able to just like flip a switch and, 100% of the games in the playoffs be able to have this physical presence that they haven't had um, during certain stretches of the season. Yeah. And, and I want to preface this. Like, I don't think this is something that one trade trade deadline ad can, can solve. Like this is something that no matter what the Bruins have to, they have to address this internally. And this isn't just based on, Calgary and Washington, like Bridget mentioned, there's been pockets of stretch this year where um, they just, they just get out, they get outworked. They've relied, don't forget. And I don't, I don't don't mean to speak down to anybody listening or, or the two of you, but I'm speaking to myself here too. The first month and a half of the season, the Bruins had a phenomenal record. It was heavily because of goaltending. Okay. Like they were very much bend, don't break. And the only reason they didn't break was because of the backstop in that. 
whether it was Allmark at the time or Swayman. And I think this team got bailed out earlier on in the year. And I do think before the All-Star break, they were playing their best hockey for sure. But what happened last night against or yesterday afternoon against against the Capitals is something that happens over the course of a playoff series where you are in game being outworked for a stretch of time or maybe the, the opposition has gone to the X's and O's of the strategy and among a playoff series and they've, they, they've, they've realized something that you're, that you're weak at, or they're exposing a weakness of yours and in game in series, you're facing frustrations. And as a team, you have to have the ability to say, you know, screw this, like, let's get back to our game and enforce our game. And that doesn't mean putting people through the boards. It means winning races to pucks. It means winning face-off battles, those 50-50 face-off battles. It means being strong on your stick, receiving passes, and 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 getting open without the puck. It's, it's all the little things. And yesterday against the Capitals, the biggest problem for the Bruins, yeah, you can say they didn't shoot the puck, but they the Bruins had no forecheck. They had no forecheck because they had no – they weren't retrieving pucks in their D zone. They weren't breaking out. So there was no transition. Uh, in the offensive zone, there was they weren't – you know, in the D zone, all over the ice, they're losing races to lose pucks. So when you're losing puck battles and you're not having possession, how can you implement any other aspect of your game? Shooting's the last thing you implement. You know, the forecheck and everything else comes first. And I, all game, there's a loose puck. Oh, Washington gets it. They had so much more energy. Now, Washington was on a six-game losing streak, and their season's in the balance. So they're playing with 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 piss and vinegar, sure. Um, but that, but the nobody on the Bruins had the ability yesterday, at least yesterday, to say, screw this, I'm going to outwork my guy for the puck. And so when I ask, are the, does does the Bruins team, do they have the toughness? Do they, do they have the ability? Does, does Pavel Zaka, does James Van Riemsdyk, does Jake DeBrus, does Morgan Geeky, like just go down, like any any player really like that hasn't, you know, earned the uh, the, the emphatic yes. Um are those players, do they have the ability to to win the puck battles when things aren't going their way and to kind of uh, stop, stop the nosebleed, for, for lack of better terminology? Yeah, and, and that is one thing that bothers me from Saturday's game. And that, that was actually, when I was thinking of um, potential opening shifts, like that was actually kind of my runner-up was, it's disappointing that literally nobody had a response. Like, I, I don't expect the same guys to have to do it every time a game like this is happening. And it's not like the Bruins don't have anyone capable of doing it. We've seen guys on this team provide a spark, whether it's Brad Martian dragging guys into the, into the fight or David Posnack making a highlight real play or Trent Frederick with physicality or a fight. Jacob Lauko has done that. Charlie McAvoy with a well-timed hit. Like even I think of the Panthers game earlier this year where they're running around trying to get revenge on McAvoy throwing hits and Derek Forbert drops the glove and that really kind of stopped Florida in their tracks and they weren't nearly as physical the rest of that game. Like, so we've seen guys do it, but then you get a game like yesterday and, and no one does it. And you're kind of left at the end, like looking around, like, like who was it supposed to be? Like who, well, if anyone, you- like, like no one wanted to step up yesterday. If you think about like old school hockey, could you imagine either of you uh, that a game with that little energy from one side, there wouldn't be one player that was willing to like try to spark something with a fight. Like even just last year with Nick Foligno, I feel like Nick Foligno was like an old school classic mentality kind of person where if he saw his team just like had nothing going on, 
he would be like, okay, well, I got to do something. Um, and you know, that's the classic, you know, nineties and before way to start a, start, a you know, a change in momentum. And it, it's still, it's, it's still in the game, but you just didn't see, it was, it couldn't have been a, a better time to do it than yesterday. And nobody did. Yeah, no, great point guys. And like, Listen, we're, we try to we try to be um, humane when when talking about the Bruins. Like being being an NHL player, playing eighty two games at the highest level, it's a grueling schedule. It's there's a lot of travel, and believe me, I'm not playing the world's smallest violin for professional athletes. But I understand that that individuals are going to have games and shifts where they just, despite being a professional, guess what? They're also a playing against other professionals like you, you know it kind of washes each other out like it there's going to be times where you just don't have it and there's going to be times where a team as a whole might not have it here and there and that's fine but that's also the beautiful part about a team is that when most guys on a, if there if there's ever a time where some guys don't have it chances are somebody should have it that day right to, to your guys's point like how did one person not step up and and i hate to say what i'm about to say because it kind of makes me feel like I'm treating Trent Frederick like he's supposed to be some gladiator in the Roman Coliseum back in the day. But because he's really the only Bruin that really has his skill set, like yesterday, Bridget, to your point, would have been a good time when the game was still, you know, relatively close. Well, the game was cl close the whole time for the most part, <laughs> despite their lack of play. But set call it the second period, right? Maybe after the Bruins kill off that five-minute major to Grizzlick where they only allowed the one goal, you're down a goal. The building's quiet. Maybe Trent Frederick tries to ask Wilson to drop or maybe somebody, and maybe that sparks the Bruins. Um, so it, it's you know it's going to happen where the team's going to be off. Individually, every guy can't have it every day, every game. But you'd like to see at least <laughs> some guys, some collection of guys have it every every game because there's 20 guys out there. Somebody's going to be playing well today. Somebody has to do something. And look, yesterday's in the past, but going forward, it's something that the team needs to address. And and it, may, and it could just be internal, but they have to address it. And Bridget, you mentioned in passing the the Marshand um, getting getting high sticked by, I believe it was somebody on Calgary. And I don't really know if we talked about it much in the podcast, but yeah, that's your captain going down. Not a ton of response there. And again, it's like you kind of look at Frederick because he's he's like one of the only guys that can really fight somebody with any sort of um, conviction. But you know, other people have to step up too. And and I didn't like that either. My my thought is that that Trent Frederick is no longer a fourth line player. So like, just because Frederick is unfortunately the only Bruin that comes to mind when you think of someone who could start that, really you kind of want a fourth line guy to to handle that situation. So like maybe a Jacob. Well, Monty's like Boquist, get out there. You're on the fourth line. <laughs> well, I, I was just gonna say <laughs> that's what I was just is... getting to. That's what I was just trying to get to was which is that that's what you want to happen you want it to be a fourth liner not someone like Trent Frederick who actually has a larger role on the team this year and it has been you know a, an offensive spark not just a spark with fighting or physicality but that person doesn't exist in the lineup right now like we've mentioned it it comes up all the time Lucci's not being there uh lost that element really um by and large not just like not just for the fourth line either for the whole team uh, so that just feels like an area you need to try to do something with. I know there's AHLers that you can bring up and do whatever, but there's no, like, you're not bringing up a goon. You need someone that can play at the NHL level 
I think be a fourth liner or maybe third liner, but pr- probably fourth liner and just be there like in moments like that when you need it. Yeah. And, and beyond even fighting, cause that's sort of its own separate thing. And it, you know, it is kind of a dying part of the game, but even like a, a fourth line that goes out and sets the tone with a, a physical four checking shift, like I, you know, I know that they they talked about that being part of Anthony Richard's game when they call him up, and yeah, like you can be an effective four checker without throwing big hits. I get that, but that doesn't really set the tone or the swing momentum. Like it, it is that more physical style four checking that can really create energy. And so, you know, after the game, Montgomery said he thought Anthony Richard was one of the only players who actually had some jump and I don't even necessarily disagree with that, but Anthony Richard's jump isn't the kind of jump that creates energy on the bench or, or in the crowd. Like it's, it's, it's speed and, and he might get under someone and like win a puck battle, but he's not, he's not throwing a hit, you know, like he's not doing stuff that, that that's going to help wake a team up. Like it's a different kind of, kind of energy and and they've clearly made at least for now they've made this shift towards you know a little bit more of a skilled speedier fourth line and i think that can work like i'm not your fourth line doesn't have to be you know a bunch of six foot three guys who can crush people but the trade-off is like you're you're not gonna have that fourth line that can help you in, in a and something like this where like the team just needs that that wake up call um it does end up falling on guys higher in the lineup because your fourth line right now isn't really designed that way let's let's not just you know throw strays at anthony richard out here for, you know, no like, but i'm i'm just saying like you know that's who you're putting in on your fourth line and it's that's he's, fine he's he, there, there are certain the, things he does well but it's not he's not that kind of fourth line yeah, but like, so neither is Boquist or Steen, and I, we know Lauko can be, but he wasn't. You know what? I would have liked to see him pop out of the box because he served that that major penalty, and he was pissed when he went in the box. It was like as if he got called for it. He just like got in there and like had the worst like body language ever, just in the box. And I felt like he could have come out frustrated and done something like immediately after that. Well, he got a breakaway right out of the box and he fumbled away the puck, you know, Vaskin took it from him. Like Bridget, I'm glad you highlighted this because I I wanted to get to this at some point, but yeah, Loka looked upset, disappointed that he was the one serving. And I'm sure we didn't get to talk to him after the game, but I'm guessing it's because he feels like he's at a point where he can help kill that penalty. Right. He probably thinks, you're going to need more killers than usual. I can help. Like that's probably why he's disappointed is my guess. Okay. Well, you know how you can help take advantage of that breakaway you get right as you leave the box. And he didn't like, that was like a golden chance to make an impact right away. And he just fumbles it away. And that's why sometimes you, the person you want serving your penalty is someone that can finish those. Cause it happens, you know, sometimes guys get out of the box and they're the, you know, no one was paying attention and all of a sudden they're in alone. So you usually see like uh, a skilled player who doesn't kill penalties at all, like a David Pasternak in there. Yeah, but that's another to... thing. I, I, I 
should have asked Montgomery about this after the game. Maybe I will like Monday at practice or something, but yeah, I want like, it, does that come across as like an insult if you put Pasenak in there? Because Pasenak didn't kill that penalty. He didn't get a shift during those five minutes. So, you know, why, why not have him be that guy in case you do get that breakaway chance? Yeah. That could have yeah. been a goal if that was him. That's a, <laughs> Probably that's, been. that's a, that's a great point. Like, he doesn't play at all in the PK. So if it's a five minute major, he's not going to, and you know, uh, one of you guys mentioned fighting just real quick. The Bruins have 10 fights in the season and Trent Frederick has five of them. And then I think Loco has uh, one, two, uh, two. I think Forbert has two and Martian and Watherspoon maybe have one. So yeah, it's 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 not really something that's very prevalent in the game right now. Um, but when you have one guy accounting for half of them, and then the other ones are kind of ticky tacky, borderline <laughs> roughing penalties that are labeled five minutes for fighting, it's kind of it kind of illustrates the Bruins just there. Not even so much. It, it's I know I just labeled fighting, but it's just you know they don't have a lot of guys that are willing to do it really. Um, one of them is Marshand, apparently, once Loco, and then Watherspoon, who people didn't know about until two months ago. So, anyway, um, let I me ask remember you. that fight, and it wasn't a great fight. Watherspoon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was like, he was. We he was liked a... that you tried, and it was it was a good thought, but it needed yeah. some work. 